to be here, and uh, I was excited today to get studying. I got a thought on my heart that I want to deal with for tonight, Galatians chapter number three. I'm going to read. I'm going to read this whole chapter. Normally, I don't read that much scripture, but I was trying to think. I was trying to think this morning where I'd cut off at. You know, I always try to get a portion, and uh, really, I just I need to read this whole chapter. And so it's a little more reading, but you can't go wrong reading the Bible, amen? Can't go wrong reading the Bible. Uh, verse number one, the Bible said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth and confirmed among you? This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and are ye are now made perfect by the flesh? How ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministereth you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by works of the law, or by the hearing of flesh? Even as Abraham believed God, and was accounted to him for righteousness, Know ye therefore that they which are of, the, are, are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which uh, be of the faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. And Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth and addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into the seeds... Uh, as of many, but as one, and of thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore, then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions till the seed shall come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been uh, a law, if if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. 
But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If ye be Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name, God, that you touch our lips of clay to be able to preach the word of God. I pray that you'd do a work in our midst tonight. God, I pray that you'd receive the honor and the glory. God, I pray that you'd just touch hearts that are gathered here in this place. Help us to learn something from your word. We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, I want us to look a little bit tonight here in Galatians chapter number 3. Really the entirety of the book of Galatians. Uh, the Galatian church is probably the worst church in the Bible, honestly. Uh, even the church at Corinth, uh, we find that Paul had some good things to say to the church at Corinth. But you read the, the, the letter to the Galatian church, and you'll not find one single commendation. Uh, it's all negative. And so it's probably the worst church in the Bible. It's always has stumped me why anybody at any point in time would have named a church the Corinth church at Corinth or the Corinthian church. Every now and again, I'll see the Corinthian Baptist church, and I'll think, whoever named that church never read the Bible. I, I mean, why in the world would you name your church the Corinthian Baptist Church? Uh, uh, but I've never seen a church named the Galatian Baptist Church, and I thank the Lord for that uh, because there's just not a lot of good things about this church. The problem they had was that somebody had snuck in there and uh, really had encouraged them to be legalistic. They were all about keeping the law and the deeds of the flesh. And uh, Paul spends five chapters, is it, there are six chapters here in, Galat in the book of Galatians trying to straighten all that out. And uh, I could have read really from any of the chapters because he deals with it throughout the whole book. But I chose the third chapter because it's got some verses in there that I want to deal with tonight. But I want to preach tonight, if the Lord will help us a little bit, on the relationship of the believer to the law. And uh, I hope I'm going to open your eyes tonight about a few things concerning the law of God and our relationship with it, a proper relationship. Now, can I say to you tonight that uh, every, every person in this, in this building tonight that is saved is on a journey. And you're either uh, on a journey of spiritual growth, you're either getting better or you're getting worse, one or the other. There's no such thing as sitting still. And uh, your relationship with the law and how you view that relationship 
may very well be the secret sauce to the Christian life. And uh, you say, really, preacher, I really believe that. I really believe a proper relationship with law is key, it's fundamental in your personal growth as Christian. Now, how many of you would like to grow as a Christian? Boy, I would. I want to grow every day. I want to be the very best version of myself that I can possibly be. And it's interesting, the older I get, seems like the more I'm interested in that. I want to work on me. As a young preacher, I wanted to work on everybody else. And uh, I was good at it. I could find everybody's fault and uh, craft a message and try to straighten everybody else out. But the older I get, the more I want to work on Brad. And the more I want to work on me and get myself straightened up, And I believe that a proper relationship with the law uh, will help us in that respect. And I'll lay that out what I, uh, kind of how that works tonight. Now, there's three ways, if you'll study the book of Galatians, there's three ways that uh, you can live your Christian life. One is you can live in liberty. And boy, that's what we want tonight, isn't it? We want to live. Give me a little more volume, Rachel. I can't hear myself and I'm going to strain and I'm not in a straining mood. Uh, We need to live our life in liberty. That is walking in the freedom of the Holy Ghost and having a life of liberty. So you can live a life of liberty. Or you can live a life that I would call a life of license. That is, uh, there's a lot of people that use the liberty they have in Christ as an excuse to sin. Isn't that sad? They think, well, I'm uh, eternally saved and so I can just live any way that I want. And then, or you can live a life of legalism. And that is, and well, we're going to deal with it. Everybody, we'll deal with it here in a minute. But legalism is uh, living uh, according to a bunch of rules and adhering to uh, strictly to a certain set of rules and then trying to get everybody else to live according to your set of rules. And, uh, and that's easy to get in. It's easier than you'd think to get into. Uh, but I'm going to deal with that. And it all has to do with how we view the law of God. And I'm telling you, if you'll listen to me, if you'll give me 20 minutes tonight, maybe 30, I'll show you some things. I'm telling you, God helped me with them today in my study. And I believe he'll help you with it. It might... And I don't always say this, but it might just be life-changing for you tonight if you'll tune in to me for just a minute. All right? Just a minute. Just give me a few minutes to prove to you that that this could help you. Now, first of all, I want us to think tonight about the work of the law toward mankind. Now, why did God write a law? And by the way, there's a lot of different kinds of law in the Old Testament. There's a ceremonial law that had to do with the offerings and how a man approached God. Then there was a civil law. You're, you're, the Old Testament's full of civil laws. Did you know the Old Testament lays out the height of a fence to go around the top of a roof of a house? And that's part of the civil law. It was to keep it was to protect man from man, keep you from falling off roofs and laid out things like if somebody stole your ox, what to do about it. 
All of that's in the Bible. Yeah, there in the old, there's dietary laws. Uh, that was to protect the Jews from getting sick, right? Uh, and boy, the, the, the liberals love to jump on them dietary laws. They'll say things like, yeah, that like same Bible, it says not to be gay, it says not to eat shellfish. What about that? <laughs> you know, they know this certain point. Never mind that that was a dietary law laid out to Israel to keep them from getting sick. Uh, they laid out laws about unclean because God knew that they couldn't eat that stuff. Now, we live in a different age. We have ways to cool it, ways to prepare it, ways that we can fix it safely. But the Jews didn't have any of that. And so to protect them, God said, just don't eat that stuff. That stuff that's going to kill you if it's not prepared properly, don't eat it. And so God put those laws in there. But then there are moral laws. Now, those moral laws are still in effect today. Uh, Christ, and we'll deal with it here in just a minute, he fulfilled the ceremonial law with his death on the cross. All of that, all of those ceremonies and offerings, Christ fulfilled through his death. That was the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. He nailed them to his cross. He fulfilled that on the cross. The dietary laws were to Israel. They're no longer applicable to the church. The civil laws we still have. I was hoping Neil's going to be here tonight. I was going to stand him up and say, right here is the man that enforces them civil laws. We still got that stuff. We built this building. You had to use certain materials. and so That's still around. But the moral laws, the thou shalt nots of morality are still in effect today. Now, why did God write a law? Why did God write the law? Well, number one, it was to reveal the ways of God. See, God wanted us to understand what was right and what was wrong so we would know what is holy. And I'm going to say this right out of the bat. I'm saved by grace through faith, thank God. But there's nothing wrong with the law. The, the, the law is right, amen, what God wrote. It reveals the person of God and the holiness of God, and it, re, it deserves our respect. And so uh, the law of God was written to show forth the ways of God. God expects us to have this concept of absolute authority. This, we live in a world, and I preached on it a few weeks ago, where there's no absolute truths. But I'm glad God left an absolute authority in the Word of God. And every word of it's right. It's all right. So he did it to reveal himself the ways of God. But another reason he wrote the law was to reveal the weakness of man. The Bible said there in Romans chapter number 8 verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The weakness of the law was that you and I can't keep it. But that's why he wrote it. He wanted us to go, I can't do that. There's no way I can do this. There's hundreds. There's not just ten commandments. There's hundreds of commandments. And I can't keep them all. 
And that's the reason here in the book of Galatians that Paul says the law was a schoolmaster to lead us, to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when I look at all those laws, I say, boy, I broke them. I broke nearly all of them. I'm, I'm in a mess and I can't save myself and I can't keep the law. And then I get to thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to die and go to hell. But you see, Jesus bled and died on Calvary's tree so that when I look at that and go, I can't keep it, he says, yeah, but I got grace. All you got to do is believe me by faith and you too can be Hey, that is the reason we had a law was to show the weakness of our, our own flesh, but then to highlight the way to Christ. The law shows our guilt and inability. The ceremonial laws and offerings pointed toward the finished work of Christ. And so that's why we got a law to begin with. Now, really what I wanted to deal with tonight is the work of the law in the believer's life. So, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. Through the law is no flesh justified. Now, right here is where the Armenian brethren really run off the tracks. If I could set down some of the, those that believe in Armenianism, you know, that are free will Baptists or something, if I could set them down and get them to get rid of their tradition and reason with them from the Scriptures right here, in, I believe I could take the book of Galatians and prove it to them that salvation is forever. Now, hang with me just a second. I'm going to show you something right here. Let me tell you where they mess up. This is, where the, this is where the confusion comes in for all those free will Baptists. And I love them. I'm not, I'm not just picking on the free wills, any Armenian type belief. They fail to see their position in Christ. Again and again and again, here in Galatians 3, what did we hear Paul say? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. There's a difference, Brother Allen, where I am positionally and where I am practically. As a practical sense, you and I dwell in a sin-riddled flesh. Everybody in this building has sinned this week unless you've been locked up in this church house with nothing but your Bible. And even if you did, you probably committed the sin of anger for being locked up in this church house with nothing but your Bible. And that's our practical condition. And I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. But that does nothing about my positional. Positionally, positionally I have been placed in Christ. I am, I, can I say it this way? I am Christ. He's in me and I'm in him. As far as God the Father is concerned, I am Christ. Now that's just, and I know that sounds weird and it makes us uncomfortable, but it's the truth of the scriptures. I'm in him and he's in me. And you can look at it a thousand different ways. We can look at it as a body. We can look at it as a building. We can look at it as a bride. We can look at it as vine. Whatever you want to look at it, the fact is that in God's, the Father's sight, 
positionally, I'm in Christ. And, the, and John tells us that which is born of God sinneth not. So there's a man inside of me that never sins. That, and fortunately, he is sealed under the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost and the world can't touch him. That's where I'm at positionally in Christ. That's the part they miss, right? They don't understand our position in Christ. And so uh, there was a fellow, I think he's Church of God. I was talking to him and he was arguing with me very respectfully. Great guy arguing with me about how that you could be. And he said, well, you must believe you can't ever drift away. And you must believe that you can't ever, you know, uh, uh, do anything wrong. And I... And I tried to get him to understand, no, I don't believe that, but I believe there's one inside of me that can't do those things. I believe in a God that won't divorce his bride, amen, won't mutilate his body. And I am in Christ, I am part of the bride, positionally there's nothing that can ever happen to change that. That's where I'm at positionally in Christ. And Galatians lays that out. Because the Galatian church... They wanted everybody to do it a certain way. They were concerned about the law. And Paul is trying to convince them that you cannot do good enough to be justified. The instant that it starts being the works of the flesh, it's no longer of grace. And our works of the flesh are not good enough to satisfy God. Get rid of that idea. You cannot do good enough to satisfy God. You cannot live clean enough to satisfy God. There's only one way to satisfy God, and that's through the shed blood of Christ. Everything else is going to come short. If it were true that we could lose it, there would not be a single person in heaven because nobody can do good enough to please God. So that leaves us with where does that put us practically in our relationship with the law? Now, if you're going to tune into something, give me your ears because this will help you. How should we practically treat the law of God in our lives? Well, do you remember I told you that Paul laid out to the Galatians that there's three ways you can live either in liberty or in legalism, or with a license. All right, that all has to do with how we view the law of God as a Christian. All right, stay with me. Stay with me. Some people, some people see the law as their enemy. That makes, that makes them rebellious. That's that license crowd. Um, they come to church but somehow they've got it in their mind because they were saved by faith and they're not under the law. Thank God we're not under the law, but then they get it in their mind that the law of God means nothing to them. It's like it's their enemy. And I've heard it in Baptist churches, people actually, it sounds like they're just throwing off on the law. That old terrible law. Well, I'm not under the law, but there's a lot of good things that the law says. The law teaches me how to live holy. Uh, and so if I have a bad relationship with the law, and you, people all the time throw off on stuff. A lot of things that people throw off on are things like modesty. Well, that's not even under the law. That's in the New Testament. 
So I, I'm not sure where that argument comes from. People like, well, you don't, they, you ain't going to tell me how to dress. Well, the weatherman does. The weatherman this winter, he'll get on TV and he'll say, now it's going to be cold tomorrow. You better wear your coat and your bogging. Nobody goes, nobody goes on Facebook and say, that weatherman ain't telling me how to dress. Bless goodness, I'm wearing my flip-flops. I don't care what the weatherman said. Right? So when it, come, when it comes to like modesty, all of a sudden we hate the law. Or when it comes to, when it comes to living, certain, certain rules about living for the Lord and trying to do the right thing and all that. Oh, the law. That, but when you start hating the law of God, then you become rebellious. And rebellious is this the witch. If you hate, if you hate man's law, right, what does that make you? That makes you a thug, right? That makes you a thug. Thugs hate man's law. Uh, people who are, are, are good law-abiding citizens, they don't hate the law. Am I right? So for some people, they have this relationship with the law where the law is their enemy and that makes them rebellious. That makes them not want to do anything right. And anybody tells them to do anything right, oh, you're judging me, right? And there's a whole section of Christianity today that lives like that. It's a license to live however they want. They think because they're in Christ, bless goodness, they can do anything they want to do, go anywhere they want to go. Everything is, is, is legal for them. Drink it up, smoke it up, whatever, it don't matter. So that's one way that you can look at the law. Another way that you can look at the law is having the law as your master. When you have the law as your master, that's religion. <laughs> that leads into legalism. How many of y'all know somebody, they live by every little precept of everything. They never do hardly anything wrong. They've got all these rules and convictions they keep. And they're so miserable and mean. Am I right? And critical about everything that happens. Nobody satisfies them. Their own life doesn't satisfy them. They're, they're miserable. They're depressed and aggravated and just plain mean. And it's because they've allowed the law to be their master. They've got a poor, they've got a poor attitude about the law. One side... The law is their enemy. They feel rebellious. This other side is the opposite side of the coin. The law has become their master. They're religious. They live a life of legalism, but there's no liberty in it. There's no freedom in it. There's no, there's no enjoyment in it. Everything that happens makes them mad. Now, I'll be honest. I've run with that crowd. I, 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 can, I can preach about that. Because I've lived it, all right? That crowd, they didn't do anything wrong, but they did very little right as well. Uh, you know, everything was wrong. They looked down their nose on everybody. God forbid you didn't do exactly what they thought you ought to do. You were ostracized. You were, a, you were a, 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 some kind of a heretic, you know. And, and they're no better than that other crowd. Because they've got a, 
They are believing somehow that the works of the flesh are going to please God. But look what the Bible said right here in Galatians 5.13. He said, uh, for bre- or I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Galatians 3.3, 3, the Bible says, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit and are now made perfect by the flesh? Paul said, Surely you don't think, uh, having begun in the Spirit of God, that now somehow the works of your flesh are going to make you perfect. The works of the flesh can never please God. So you got two sides, two ditches. On one side, the law is their enemy. They'll do anything. On the other side, the law is their master. They'll do nothing. But as it almost always is, there's a middle ground where the enjoyment of the Christian life can be lived in liberty. And that is by looking at the law, by looking at the law as your friend. You say, as my friend? Yeah, as your friend. You look at the law as your friend and that opens a whole new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me explain it to you in an illustration. Um, There was a lady. Now Paul talks in Romans 7. He talks about the law being like a, a husband that had died. And when the husband dies, then the wife is free to marry another man. That's grace. Well, think about it like this. Let's say there was a lady that was married to a man. And she, he was very much a taskmaster. He would force her to do all these chores. He would make a list in the morning and he'd say, you better have all these chores done before I get home or else. And all day she toiled at that chores because she was afraid of him. Then let's say that man died and this lady married another man. And this new man is just loving to her. He doesn't lay out any tasks. He just loves her. Well, the lady would realize that going through the day, she was still cleaning the house and she was still cooking the food. She was still doing the tasks that she was doing for the other husband. But now she was doing them with joy in her heart. She was doing them singing a song. She couldn't wait for him to come home. What changed? In one area, she was doing them because she felt like she would get in trouble if she didn't. And in the other area, she was doing them out of love. That's the right relationship with the law. It's when you want to do things not because you're afraid you're going to get in trouble because you don't, but rather you're doing things because you love the Lord and you want Him to, some of y'all are getting it, and you want Him to be pleased with your life. You see the difference in those two things? Now, here's the question. How can we do that? How is it? that we can look at the law as our friend and keep the, start keeping those commandments. 
Well, it's kind of like Ruth back there when she's first learning to walk. At, at the beginning, her walk is kind of shaky. And that's the way it is when we first get saved. We take that first step of faith, and there's a step of repentance and faith and repentance and faith, and it's kind of herky-jerky. But the key to this whole thing is this, and Paul covers it right here in the book of Galatians. Let me give it to you, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. I'm boring some of you. Let me give it, let me give it to you. Galatians 5, 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here's how you do it. I came all this way to tell you this. If you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll have a proper, proper relationship with the law of God. Because the Spirit of God never transgresses the law of God. And if you'll just focus on living a life where you're walking in the Spirit and full of the Spirit, then you won't be on this end where you're saying, well, I can do anything I want to. No, the Holy Ghost won't let you. And you won't be on this end where you say, bless goodness, you better do like I say, bless goodness, bless Because the Holy Ghost won't let you live like that either. So if you're here in the middle and you're walking in the Spirit, 